This week's podcast features a story about bachelor parties. I can't compete with the storytellers of such gems as Hangover 1 and 2, but I feel like our bachelor parties reached a level of memory making not too many achieve. Maybe I'm wrong. How was your bachelor party? Do you remember it? Here's mine. Before Bill got married, he ended up on a street corner dressed in his fiancée's blue negligee with nothing but a quarter to call her with. Bill was one of the first in a long line of demented bachelor parties that stretched on through our 20s. There might have been a Noah in there first, and it could have been that the entire genesis of these things began with Noah, but I only knew of Bill's night out with the blue negligee. A year later, it was my turn. My fiance and I were spending one evening a week with Bill and his wife Desiree going over a marriage counseling book together. I always enjoyed these meetings, more for the fact that I got to spend an evening each week hanging out with good friends. About a week before the wedding, on one of the last chapters we were reading through with Bill and Des, Bill wrapped up early and asked me if I could give him an estimate on painting the new room they were building in the cavernous downstairs of the old house on 12th Street. Me, I was just striking out on my own as a painting contractor. So I was happy to practice my estimate and bidding skills. Bill led me back through the dark passageway and into the unfinished room with a light on so bright I was disoriented when I walked in. There looked to be a lot of large pieces of furniture in the room, but they were moving around and laughing, which I didn't expect. Before I could really get my bearings, two pieces of furniture grabbed me by both arms and suddenly my feet came out from underneath me. I was blindfolded and held down on the floor while somebody, bravely, stripped me of my clothes. I was flipped over on my stomach and terrible thoughts assailed me, but I could hear the voices of people I considered my friends, and so I was very confused. Something cold and wet was being applied to my skin from my neck down to my heels. Then I was flipped over and whatever they applied to my backside, they repeated on my front side. Now, if you think I just laid there and took all this, you are sadly mistaken. No, I squealed like a stuck pig. I squirmed and twisted like a Twizzler, but I could not escape their grasp. When they finally released me, someone helped me up and someone else handed me what felt like a tool belt without any tools in it. They would not let me remove the blindfold though. Finally, someone led me to a vehicle. They opened the door and helped me get inside the passenger seat. It was old with canvas seats and it smelled just like my brother's 62 International Scout. By now, I knew I was in the midst of my bachelor party. What I didn't know was what they were going to do next. I also didn't know what I looked like. All I knew is that at some point, I had been completely naked. Turns out they dyed me red on the back and green on the front with hair dye in honor of my Christmas time wedding. They put a G-string on me and perhaps out of pity, they gave me a tool belt to wear covering my front and back. Then we drove. It wasn't far, and then they let me out, and someone untied the bandana from around my eyes. It took me about five seconds to figure out they had dropped me off at the front door of the only gay bar in our town, and they didn't leave me a quarter. In what might have been the only incident wherein I used quick thinking and cunning in my whole life, I realized they would have to make a pass back through the entryway after they turned around in the parking lot. One way in, one way out. When I saw lights coming back through the parking garage, I hid behind a post box, and when my brother's lumbering rig went past, I grabbed onto the wide, flat bumper and the big handles on the back windows. 
When they realized I wasn't ever letting go, they allowed me back inside the car. They took me back and allowed me to get dressed, and then they took me out to dinner. That night, I spent a total of eight hours standing in the shower at my parents' home using three bottles of witch hazel to remove that hair dye. The next up was my best friend, Jason. I got married in December. Jason was due to get married in February. We planned the same exact stunt they pulled on me. Why? Well, we figured he wouldn't be expecting it. We lined up some big guys, because Jason is bigger than me, and we figured it would be tough to hold him down. But Jason drank a bottle of Boone's before we got him that night, and he didn't resist a whole lot. We opted not to dye him. Instead, we nared his entire body, as in the hair removal foam. And when I say entire, I mean entire body. Then we took him, basically wearing a loincloth, and attempted to handcuff him to the sign out in front of the Ram restaurant. We kind of figured a cop would come along and maybe cut him out of the cuffs eventually. But the cops came before we could finish locking him up, and we all fled on foot. Jason, being rather toasted, went around the back of the restaurant and tried to hide. He found himself two strips of cardboard to try and cover himself with a little bit more. The best part of the evening is when he finally walked in the house on 12th Street and told us that as he was walking home, a car pulled over and the occupants offered him a ride. When he accepted, he realized it was the parents of a girl who had tormented him during high school. And when he got in the car, she was right there in the back seat. Dan was next, but we went easier on him. Dan was scrappy, so we kidnapped him, blindfolded him, and put him in the bathtub of his own house. We bought 32 gallons of ice cream, a case of chocolate syrup, four bottles of whipped cream, and six bunches of bananas. We covered Dan in plastic wrap and built a massive ice cream sundae on top of him. The suction of the ice cream didn't allow him to move, but he was wearing his clothes, so he wasn't too uncomfortable. Then we called his fiance, and we left the door unlocked, a candle burning, and a spoon on the counter. In my haste, I dropped a bit of chocolate on the new rug Dan had purchased to decorate the bathroom of the house they were going to share after they were married. His fiance didn't find the hot Sunday we left for her amusing, but she was absolutely offended by the spilled chocolate. She never spoke to me again, and Dan only started talking to me about five years later. We tapered off after Dan mostly because all of our buddies were now married. When my brother got married, we all felt too old to try for a good prank bachelor party. He escaped unscathed. The only other bachelor party I remember was when my cousin Nick got married. His best man decided to write all the names of his ex-girlfriends on his body in indelible marker. The only problem was that his bachelor party was the night before his wedding. I still remember watching him tug at his tuxedo jacket to cover a girl's name visible on the wrist just below the cuff. Most guys throw great bachelor parties. Some go to Vegas, others take off for the woods, whiskey tastings, wine tastings, cigar nights. They invariably mean a last hurrah of bachelorhood, throwing off the shackles of youth and taking up the shackles of marriage, as it were. But not us. No, we decided to use some serious memory makers to mark our passage from singleness into the married life. Just for fun, I asked a couple of friends recently if they remembered their bachelor parties. More than vague details about when and where, they didn't really have any great memories, which is fine because they definitely remember their weddings. But I can guarantee that to a man, each of us remembers his bachelor party. I still get sick when I smell witch hazel. I'm sure Jason shudders when he hears the word nair. And I'm almost positive that blue negligee that Bill had to wear never made it back into his wife's wardrobe. 
I've always wanted to ask Dan if he still enjoys ice cream Sundays. I suspect he does. You are what you eat, after all. Bachelor parties are a rite of passage. Ours were just a bit more memorable than most, though probably not as grand as some. This podcast was produced by Akamafia Productions. Any relationship to real events or people is probably not a coincidence. The words and memories are my own, and they may contain traces of the truth. Music, as always, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. You can catch the entire first season of The Truth as I See It podcast on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening.